Hello, and welcome to the Ecommerce Source Podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff, and I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougall. Tim, how are you today? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good on National Donut Day. That was also the uh, graduation day for my youngest out of middle school. Yeah. And we had donuts for graduation. Shockingly enough. Total shocker, right? Yeah. And and I thought there was going to be a mini war because my my wife, I I held our seats and my wife went through the line to get food for us because they had a little food thing afterwards. Nice. And so she tried to get two donuts, you know, because there's one for her, one for me. And the guy passing out the donut said, ma'am, you don't need two donuts. (laughs) And she came back so steamy mad. That, that, what do you mean I don't need two do donuts? <laughs> I thought I was got to go fight somebody for a bit there. But everything defend turned out wife's, okay. Uh, wife's honor that she can have two donuts. I know. If she it's wants like I got to go defend you, honey. I got to go. I got. I might. I might have to fly in there. Oh, that's so. That's so yeah. funny. But we got past it. We we moved past that. You took a deep <laughs> breath. It recentered, and then you went through the line to go get yourself a donut, right? Uh, no, they actually let her take two. She oh, she okay, explained good. they let her take two, but she came back. She came back half mad and half laughing. I think from the line of "Ma'am, you don't need two donuts." Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Well, it's more that they have like enough for one for everybody, right? So there's more than that. But the way it came out, yeah, the way it came out was not not the best. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I avoided fisticuffs. We got through uh, junior high graduation and had a donut and we're all good now. So so it's been a good morning so far. Yeah. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Donuts, little graduation. Now we get to talk about, talk about what happened in May, right? So um, we should recap this. At the end of March, we thought we'd do, and we got a few requests from our team and from others to do a recap of all the changes in e-commerce because it was so crazy, a crazy first quarter and we did it and we realized we had enough content to fill about three hours and we had to really blaze through stuff. And so we decided to do it every month. So we did one for what happened in April. Uh, That was episode 35. This is episode 39. Uh, And we're going to do what were the biggest stories or topics of discussion or controversies or or whatever you want to have them for May and do kind of a May recap, right? Yeah. So that's the theme of today. But first, Andy, we wanted to, um, we challenged our team to come up with this week's dumb moment in e-commerce, right? So we had a couple entries on that. Uh, one, one of our teammates wanted to nominate the Amazon Style Store because they launched a new Style Store, which lets AI pick out your clothes instead of you picking them out. But I didn't think that was the dumbest moment. It was just new and different, and, and I haven't seen the kind of outfits it picks out, so I couldn't call that the dumbest moment. Although, you may differ on that. You may- yeah, I mean, I think anything Amazon Style is, it's like uh, the old guy saying, you know, here's this cool new hip thing that you need to do and i just i like it's an oxymoron to me to say amazon and style i just want to tell me how amazon style is gonna be different from granimals (laughs) granimals oh is that before your time am i am i granimals so when i was a kid way back in the olden days uh the oldie timey days they had a line called granimals for kids which uh if you matched up all the like if your shirt and your pants and your socks all had a giraffe on them they all matched Oh, and so it was granimals. So the kid in the morning getting dressed, you didn't have to ask for mom or dad's help. You just had to match up the animals, animals on your clothes, right? Yeah, and that was called granimals. And so that was my yeah. Amazon AI is just basically stealing the granimals concept <laughs> for for modern day, right? But 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 AI, Tim. AI, but it has there's AI. A, there's AI in it, so but it makes all AI, the difference. So that'll be a theme for us that everything has AI in it. So this week's dumb moment, though, uh, we decided on was. Uh, and this was released just yesterday by uh, a firm called Consulters. And 
they're not the dumb moment. They had actually issued a very smart report and that had a, uh, their big Amazon vendor study, industry insights and key statistics. And it just got released yesterday or they just wrote about it yesterday. Uh, and the report's very good, actually. Um, I'm sure there's a more full version, but they surveyed over 500 vendor reps. Um, and according to their summary, the thing that there's a bunch of interesting things in there, um, including that almost half of vendor, uh, companies that run vendor stores also have seller stores as well. They also manage seller store alongside it. And that's interesting because we did, when we did this first, um, and had a, you know, a client who had a vendor store and we said, let's launch a seller store. It was actually against Amazon terms. That was like six years ago. And it was very rarely done. And we actually were contacted at one point for Amazon for being a case study for that. So um, now it's fairly common. It's not, it's not like new news. And that was one of the interesting points. Yeah. But the dumb point that came out of this, uh, and it, again, it's not the survey that was dumb. It's the results. Andy, what was the number one clear critical challenge? They asked all the 1P brand leaders, what is your number one challenge with Amazon Vendor? Well, if you are a vendor... It should become as no surprise to you or even a seller that the number one challenge for 1P Brands was lack of effective communication with Amazon. And, and why this is dumb is because this has been the number one issue for years and years and years. In fact, it's just this last uh, couple of weeks. We've had cases, right, where we had to um, Amazon issue to notice that, hey, we've added new data fields to your listings and they need to be filled in within 30 days. Otherwise, your listings become invalid. And for, uh, but we're not going to, we only added it to some listings and, uh, it was basically go figure out which ones we added it to yeah. and, and any request to say, can you tell us which listings were added? Just got no response. In fact, we couldn't find anybody in support who even knew what we were talking about. Yeah. And so what we found out in the end was about half of our, one of our, one of the big catalogs we manage, about half of that catalog could have gone invalid. Um, and we just had to go through listing by listing and figure it out. And that was ours. And hours, hours, it was hours of time. And then to enter it, yeah, it was, it ended up being like a 25 hour project, which is silly because they could have given us a list and it could have been much shorter. Um, but you know, we, you had to do it. And, and we've also had things like, um, you know, they issued a notice that they're increasing the provisional co-op rate for a range of SKUs and then don't tell us which SKUs or how much. Um, and so we're currently, we're currently in a project right now. We're trying to backtrack through that and say, okay, Amazon, like exactly which SKUs and how much, because we're trying to help our partners forecast, right? And, and know their finances. And on the vendor side, and if you're not familiar with the provisional co-op rate, if you're just on seller, basically Amazon says, you know, if you ship in this, we're going to, if we buy this much product from you, we're going to then bill you for this much in promotional fees that we're going to use to support your product. And they use that for advertising or discounts or whatever else. They don't really tell you how they use it. In fact, they don't report that anywhere, but they just ask you for a certain percentage based on the product type. And that changed and we don't know what it is. So it's hard to answer their invoices now because we don't know how to fill out the invoices correctly and it's causing problems, right? So this kind of, it's, it's this ongoing lack of communication. They're, they're, for all this, and the stupid part is just, they're growing slower than they were before. Their growth is really slowed and they're still positive growth, but their growth is slowed. Investors are nervous and you still have these issues where you just can't reach anybody on obvious questions. Yeah. Like you're making this change. Then it, then for it to be this big an issue for this long. Um, yeah, it just, it was, it was, to me, it was the dumb moment of the week of like, come on, it, it, you stop. It just, you know, it, it does make me wonder if it, 
Amazon has ever, I mean, I, I see some surveys from them, but it just doesn't ever feel like they're actually listening on this stuff because no. this would, you know, if this uh, consultors company can come up and, and interview 500 one piece sellers and say, hey, this is the number one thing. And yeah. it's like the, oh yeah, no shit, Sherlock, uh, for everybody else in the industry that, you know, how, how can this not be something that gets addressed? But well, and every interview I see with a big vendor uh, seller, um, the the thing that always gets them and they always complain about is I don't have a rep to talk to. They promised me yeah. a rep and I'd never have a rep. Yep. Um, and how that whole rep system is managed. If you're a giant brand, if you're Apple uh, or Nike, yeah, you got a rep that you can call. But at this point, you know, it, it, if you're at Walmart, which is a large retailer, um, last I checked, very, very large <laughs> retailer, right? And you ha do have an issue. You can reach somebody and you can, you can talk to a live human, the buyer. And sometimes they say things you don't like, but you can have a real conversation about things. Um, with vendor, you don't, Yeah. there's, there's no, there's no chance for that kind of communication. It just baffles me at this point when they're really trying to, uh, when they're struggling to grow share faster, that you'd have these kind of difficulties in the way. Cause these are the, you know, it's communication. It's, it's communication is always an issue by the way, but, to not make more progress than they have on this front. Yeah. And just I, amazes me. I think this is one of those areas where I go, if you are a b business selling on vendor and you don't have seller as a backup to really help influence Amazon on this, right? Yeah. Because, it, you know, vendor, they're going to, they're going to change your price. They're going to do all sorts of different things. Yeah. And that, that is the other vendor issue, right? They, they'll change your price and then they could change your price super low, which, then can hurt you because you have map pricing agreements with other outlets and that kind of messes you up. Walmart may take your product off the shelf because Amazon's not too low and you can't control it. Or they may put your price so high you just totally lose any sales. Yeah. Um, and, that, and you don't control that. You don't control what they're shooting for. And to have nobody to appeal to or talk to is often very frustrating. It's amazing that you can get better activity on seller and action on seller sometimes than vendor. But we should move on from the stupid yes. um, and ranting about that to what were the big topics of May? Yeah, I think the, the first thing that jumps to my mind is news vomit of artificial intelligence that I've seen. Yeah, so every press release we've seen from everybody is everybody in e-commerce is always, and this, 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 and this will be better because AI. Uh, everything is because AI. And very few of the announcements actually explain how they're going to use AI. They're just tagging AI onto sentences and throwing it in there because I think they believe that makes people happy and think things are happening. And in some cases, there really is our AI advances that are meaningful. In other cases, it just feels like everybody's tagging AI onto everything. Yeah, and I can't ever really tell. I mean, there's instances like you, like uh, we've talked about a little bit in that, hey, this is going to be this, the way that this is generated is going to be easier or whatever because we have generative AI to produce the content or to do whatever. but there's a lot of places where it's like, I, I, I really wish I understood this better to understand if they're actually adding any value. Yeah, That's what, I, I just don't can't know get if, through that. And, and so there, are, there is real value. So this is not a AI is all a hoax uh, podcast. It's, it's not. There's some very real advances being made. <laughs> We're going to quote Tim are, on that one. Yes. AI is all a hoax. Put that in, put that yes, in the print. Just do the opposite of whatever I say. Yeah. That's like when Amazon says there's, well, this is one of my laughs on on. Uh, AI, Amazon says they have an AI reviewing your product listings and yet oh, right. when you say pesticide free, they will suspend your listing because they think it has pesticides. And that is the 
dumbest, if that's an AI doing that, that is the dumbest AI I've ever seen that can't figure out the difference between pesticide and pesticide-free. Also, also a point to note I can is, write a spreadsheet uh, script uh, that can uh, figure out the difference there. So an AI right. should be able to figure out the difference on that one, right? AI is different than an algorithm or a script, right? A yeah. Generative AI is producing this content. So it, yeah. the fact that it's not looking through, I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It, it, it kills us on that. Um, but I want the term, because remember when there was, uh, everybody was making eco-friendly claims and sustainable claims and everything. And the FTC finally cracked down on it and said, you're going to get fined if you can't back these things up. Um, and in fact, there was a big announcement earlier this year where they said there's, they sued like 300 plus companies saying you're making false claims about either health claims on supplements or about the environment, or in some cases about you're using AI, you're claiming you're using AI, you're not. And they said they were going to go after that. So I don't know what the term, because greenwashing eventually became the term for people who are pretending to be environmentally friendly, but really aren't. I don't know what the term for intelligence washing, AI washing is, Yeah, but, but I need one right now because I think a lot of what's, what I've seen, especially, especially in the last month and a half, mm-hmm. uh, seems to be everybody's just tagging AI and everything. So we've had this yeah, AI vomit uh, spewing of on the press releases and everything else. Yeah, and I think my takeaway on this really is to, if it matters to you, these sources to dig in and really try to understand. Okay, is you know it's possible that AI is adding value to whatever platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very possible, right? But yeah. is to really dig in and understand how that actually might apply to you, uh, because at the end of the day, it it's good to understand it. If it is, or if, you know, yeah. if it's not, or if it's just they're just, well, just there are spewing stuff to say things. Real advances you don't want to miss, but you don't want to get caught in the hype. So it's this is a put your critical thinking hat on and use your critical thinking superpowers. I think is what this comes to, and don't just buy anything for somebody that says they have this is better because they have AI. Figure out if it's really better or not, um, and whether it does that. To be honest, whether it is better because it has AI or not, it what. Whether it's better or not is what care. matters, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but we've seen a lot of people like switching software platforms or doing that or switching these tools because this one has AI, they say, in the, in the copy for it. But if it doesn't work better, it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. just, this is a, you know, yes, everybody should, everybody in this industry should be a paying attention to AI and what's being advanced, but also don't get caught up in the magic fairy dust. Um, Speaking of magic fairy dust, oh. let's move to number two. We have 10 things on this list. Uh, this is probably the longest one, and then we'll blaze through some others. But uh, Google Marketing Live was April 23rd, so a big event. And if you read through the press releases, which we read through all of them and listened to a couple of the sessions, uh, it was basically AI, AI, AI. Everything is better because of AI. Um, you know, I felt like this was the Lego movie where everything is awesome, but everything yes. was AI. That's what yes. it felt like. On this, so everything was AI uh, all throughout. Performance Max is better because uh, AI, and YouTube is going to be better because AI, and Google Analytics four. You may hate it right now, and a lot of people do, but um, <laughs> but it has AI now, so it's going to be better. And yeah. you're so, but it was all just vague. It, there wasn't a lot of depth behind what the AI actually does. So that was. You know, the first takeaway from that was, yeah, it was this AI spewing on everything. And there could be real stuff behind there, but it was a lot of, it also felt like a lot of AI magic fairy dust that was being sprinkled over everything, they said. And their main press release of the everything you need to know about Google Marketing Live 2023, it was like AI was in every sentence and it was, it kind of felt silly, right? 
have to do a word count on this to, to fact check you on this. I'm going to go. Let's see here. Well, it's not actually every sentence. I went back and validated and it's not, but it feels like it's every sentence. Um, but there were two things that stood out from that that felt like, okay, here's some actual real uses of AI that we can see coming that are interesting. One's interesting and one's actually useful. And hopefully they're both interesting. The first um, from Google Marketing Live was they previewed the new, the cool kids call it the new SGE, um, the search generative experience. This replaces, in some cases, the standard search result page that we've all known for so long, right? And that's the pay. That's when you go in there and ask a question. It's going to give you an AI-driven answer back. And what the and the big one of the big questions coming into this was how do ads work on that, right? If the AI is giving you this it's generative answer, well, does that eliminate all the ads? That is where Google makes their money and where a lot of us do our advertising, right? What happens there? Do they get eliminated? Um, do they find a way to get them in there? Does it change how the AI works? Well, they showed. Uh, two different types of uh, results pages, previews of them. They're not live yet as far as I know. Um, but uh, And there's one they call snapshot mode and one they called conversation mode. And conversation mode is more like a traditional chat GPT response. Um, and in the response, it'll say, if you know, I, I want to find places to go camping, for example, it'll give you great places to go camping and say, by the way, if you're looking for good camping gear, here's some items we'd recommend and bullet points them. And those are sponsored ad driven kind of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it works it in, it, it not so subtly works in, works in the products uh, into its answer. So they kind of, they previewed that, but it looks like a chat GPT response till you get like the product and the links and everything else in there. Um, the other on this was uh, what they call snapshot mode. And that looks a lot closer to traditional search, but it's a lot of, it'll give you an answer that's driven by, a the bard so their version of chat gpt right yep um and it'll give you an answer to that and it'll give you a bunch of products and it'll give you some it'll give you a few links but the interesting part was it's very much less about links to sites there was a lot of, there were a lot of links to products there was a lot of shopping worked in there but it kind of gives you a page and lays out the page in a way that's not totally dissimilar from the standard search results page but definitely looks different right now mm-hmm. and works a lot of product in there so um, it was just interesting seeing that. And, and again, they said this is their, this is all, of course, the, their AI, their BARD has to come in to do this. So this is, this is using BARD to generate results instead of their standard, standard search algorithm, right? Yeah. And I think some of the things as, as we're looking at these uh, screen captures and the way that they have it proposed is like, okay, how do you determine when a, uh, an AI type of a BARD response is mm-hmm. appropriate versus the so- standard search results? and and maybe I'm just like just not uh, aware of it enough to be like, mm-hmm. well, maybe gener- or the AI response is what we're always going to see. But yeah, I'm, I, I don't know because I don't know that they that's need- really unclear. It's like, is this an uh, edge case where people use this, or is this going to become the main case, or is it an edge case to start and becomes the kind of the main way people use mm-hmm. use use Google, for example? Um, I know Google's worried because if others, if this becomes a standard way people search. Google doesn't have a monopoly on these kind of AI-driven searches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody could, somebody could, or ChatGPT could launch their own search engine and... Well, what? Well, they already kind of have that. You can already download like a ChatGPT app for your phone that will give you answers on your phone, right? Well, what's, um, what's to say, I, know, I think we talked about this on one of the previous episodes, was like uh, the people who know the subject matter the best can give artificial intelligence the best input for their model so like yeah. Google kind of has, everybody has just bowed to Google as the central platform for the best search. But, you know, there's going to be certain topics where 
other uh, data sources, other mm-hmm. entities. It could yeah. be a small private company that comes up with the best search results and best AI, uh, generative AI database for outputs on a specific thing. And exactly. And, and all of a sudden, Google has them scared, right? Because yeah. their ad revenues have slumped a little bit. A bit. I mean, everything slumped kind of post COVID, and you know, when online shopping uh, growth slowed a little bit after that because it had that huge bubble. Um, but they're they they're a little nervous, you yeah. know. And this is now there's something that's an existential threat into their main business line, which is search ads. Yeah. Right? So it makes um, makes me really think that the Google's primary. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe they just become the the search network, right? They, they they become the or the display network where you get to place your Google ads into your AI. Yeah, how this evolves will be interesting. And, but it was, and they had previewed something a little bit earlier. But for me, this is the first time I really got to see extensive pages on how these AI generative search results are going to look. And it's you know it's a generation one. It'll get it'll change, but. But that was a real AI use. That's not just hand-wavy AI. There's actually AI working behind that. The other one was Google Product Studio, which they announced on the 23rd at, at the event as well. And that allows you to take your product image and go tell the AI what kind of background you want, and it creates a background behind it. Um, so this is a very, it's not, um, at least, what, and I've just seen the screenshots and the demo of it, right? So what it looks like right now is it's not as sophisticated as like connecting chat GPT to mid journey, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not as, it, you know, it's, it doesn't have as much flexibility, but it's also not as complicated. It's also looks a lot easier to use than that. So, um, you know, what it looks like, it's, it's a, it's a limited use tool that does certain things, but it does it very easily and efficiently, which I, you know, we have to do this a lot of, okay, we have a product shot. We need to move it to a different background. We have to go shoot it. We have to Photoshop it before. Yeah, I could see us. I could easily see us using that within the next month, right? Yeah. Um, so that seemed to be a very practical use, and I don't know how much AI is really behind the image generation part of it, but fine. Um, again, going back to the, it doesn't matter if it's AI driven or not. What matters is how useful is it. That seemed useful, right? Yeah. Some of the other things that were much more hand wavy was you know performance max is going to be better because of AI. Like I, you know, maybe. But but uh, tell, tell me that AI can produce uh, on the fly AI or advertising copy for your performance max campaign that's going to get somebody to click better than somebody else. You know, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, so I don't know how, um, you know, a lot of what they said was just kind of felt more hand wavy because AI on that. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that then somebody who really is a total AI fanatic who watched that is going to call me back and say, I hope Actually, so. they were very specific on this, and they and so, but I but it felt very you. to me. It felt very hand wavy. Tim's numbers eight six yes, seven please. five three zero nine. Uh, all right, what was that? What was that? <laughs> Jesse, don't lose this number. Is that yes. what you threw? You threw a Rick Springfield song yes. at? So I figured you eight six seven five three zero nine. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, just call uh, that number. Don't like don't a, lose that number. It's like a five 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 number. Yeah. Uh, sort of staying on the uh, Google train of things here. Number three, right? Number three three is is the GA4 panic. And everything that I've seen on this is that Google Analytics and GA4, uh, I don't know that I've seen many good things on this. Uh, It is a pain in the butt to uh, sort of get installed. And and I've, I've seen... People yeah. saying that it's, they're getting charged thousands of dollars to do, to upgrade a GA4, which for the right person takes 
almost minutes. Yeah, you shouldn't be getting charged thousands of dollars um, for that if you're at all technically inclined. But but uh, that's we're we're down to the end of it. We're t minus thirty days left, or twenty eight right? days before uh, GA four becomes the, the and, default. And as somebody who's who's on both of those a lot now, um, GA four is not as intuitive. It is harder to learn. It is harder to kind of figure out where stuff is. Harder to but implement. Harder to implement, right? So those are all true. I am now finally getting over the hump where I'm starting to see where GA4 is more useful on some things too, because with that much, it's a higher learning curve and it's less intuitive. But as I dive deeper into it, cause I need to, I mean, I, we need to be smart on it. I'm, I'm starting to see the areas where you can do uh, different types of reports and pull data in different ways that was just really difficult and kludgy with universal analytics. And so a lot of the things that we had built, like pull this data, put it into the spreadsheet, do those things, are now a little more straightforward with GA4 once you get past that GA4 learning curve. Um, but the learning curve is hard. So if you're just somebody who dips into Google Analytics every once in a while to check out traffic trends and check some quick things, you're going to feel some hurt on yeah. GA4. If you're somebody who's in there a lot, it starts to become clear that it actually is a more powerful tool. but Man, is it harder to learn? Yeah, um, and and it just takes. I've had it's it's taken me a lot longer to kind of feel comfortable in there, and I'm still not totally comfortable um, versus uh, universal analytics. And so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of panic going around right now. If you go on if you go on forums, you can see people end of world. This is an end of world type of topic on forums, <laughs> right? Um, but many things are. But uh, you know, good reminder there on on the end of universal analytics. Uh, yes. and we have, so, so there will be much panicking this month of people who have put it off. Oh, um, and absolutely. Google sending out daily warnings of you have not converted everything. So there you, is a checklist, by the way, you can go on and you, if you check all the boxes, it'll stop giving you the warning. But, um, yeah. yeah the, and the uh, frustrating point about that for me is I've done other check boxes, but you have to manually go in there and say, yes, this is done. And so you have to say, well, it's yes. tracking data, but is it this step actually done? Mm -hmm. Well, it's been tracking data for a year, but for some reason it's not done until I click a little box that says this is done. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's actually tracking data or not. If if I click that it's done, then it says it's then it says I'm fine. Yeah. It's And uh, the key thing really is though, if you haven't set up GA4 yet, it's not collecting data until you go in and set it up. Yep. And Google Analytics, the regular Google will stop collecting data at the end of June. So uh you know, you need to get GA4 set up or you're going to have a gap where there's nothing really collecting data that you need. So, um, you know, it's, if you had set it up a year ago, great. Well, now you have kind of a history on GA4, but if you haven't, you still need to get it going. So at least, and you can still look at Google Analytics and pull old data. They're not going to take it away, but they're just not going to be collecting new data anymore. Yep. Um, so you need to get GA4 set up at least a basic version so you don't go blind. Um, Another one is, and this is one, we're not going to talk about this a lot here because we spent a whole episode on it, right? Um, so uh, that's the search query details. So with an Amazon rollout. So Amazon rolled out a new feature and we covered it. Our entire last episode was about nothing but how to use the search query details. So um, there's a lot in episode 38 about that. But basically for the first time, Amazon's giving you data where you can go by keyword and say, okay, what is you know, for this ASIN, for this keyword, who are my top competitors and who has more impression share than I do? Who's getting better click share? Who's getting better conversion than I am on it? Uh, you can also use the data because they've added new fields to the search query data that you can look at and figure out now for this search term, 
what's the conversion rate for the for everybody for all searches on this search query, not just my own products? And am I doing better or worse? You know, am I doing better or worse getting things to cart? Am I doing better or worse getting things to purchase? Um, but you can now index what you're doing on a search term versus all searches for that query. And that, you know, as we've we've been kind of walking each of our partners through this, our clients through this, and every time we introduce this, like at the end of a meeting, the meeting goes an hour long because it's just, it's fascinating stuff, right? And I did it just yesterday with one of our partners on it uh, and walked them through it. But there's just so much there that, and, and all of last week's podcast was about how you can put this out of use. So we don't need to go through it in more detail, but it's the first time Amazon inside their platform reveals a lot of competitive data for you that you can put to use. And it's practical. It's not just, gee whiz, this is kind of cool and interesting. There's actual actions you can take off of it pretty quickly when you dive into that data. Yeah. But we'll move on from that because we spent a whole podcast on it already. Great topic. I'm very bullish on this, uh, the functionality here and already seeing significant sales improvement by using the information that yeah. they provided. So uh, I'm going to take a step down here. Uh, one of the things that uh, hit my radar this week or last couple weeks maybe is that uh, the Shopify one-page checkout started rolling out to more stores. And I know this has been uh, a topic uh, for quite a while um, that Shopify was going to have this be an option for different Shopify stores, and it looks like they're starting to do it. Um, so my, my big takeaway on this is that it gives retailers another option to improve your e-commerce conversion rates, as I call it, you know, the gives you more flexibility and functionality in the cart, which I think was a little bit of a critique of Shopify, especially for non-Shopify Plus users, the basic users, the people who aren't spending $10,000 a month to Shopify to, to manage their e-commerce platform. But I'm really excited to see how this works out. I've signed up uh, quite a while ago to be uh, yeah. on the beta list and have not received anything yet. Uh, but... But they did roll out a bunch more in May. So we're hopefully we're on it soon. Um, and they announced this back in winter of last year, right? So this was one of a, a, over 100 updates they were announcing to Shopify. And this is probably the one that got the most uh, interest. And, you know, the, the interesting thing now for me in following this is now they have some data because they rolled out an initial wave of, in March. Of, here's, you have to apply for beta if you want to be one of the testers for it. And they rolled out a wave in March. And then they rolled out another wave in May. But from the March cohort, now they have some insight into how it works. And what they found is, you know, and it may not be right for every site, but they found if your site is predominantly younger audiences, predominantly mobile, and those two things may overlap quite a bit, right? Um, or if it's for lower average order value products, that this improves your conversion rates. For more expensive products or products that appeal older, it, it may actually be a bit of a negative to it. But for, again, the three situations they've said this improves conversion rate so far from the data they can see, and they can say this definitively, they, they believe. Younger audiences, mobile traffic, you know, if your site is really heavy on mobile, which most sites, to be honest, are, um, and lower average order value products, which, yeah. which is a lot of sites. If you're not selling something that's 100 bucks, if you're selling, you know, a $20 product, well, this is, yep. this is a better checkout window for that. So Make it easier. Yeah, I also saw reports that in certain countries, that they the consumer behavior is more deliberate, more uh, considerate of each of the steps along the way. So I think that one was an interesting factor to me as well, is that there's actually different buyer behavior by market. So yeah. if you are selling across different 
geographic locations around the, around the globe, th- you know, think through how that, that consumer makes a purchase and maybe one, mm-hmm. one step checkout is good for you. Maybe it's not, but, uh, very cool opportunity yeah. available. For- While we're on Shopify, we should probably hit the other Shopify one in our list. And we talked about this on our April recap, because as we were recording the April recap, uh, this happened, you know, in May. It happened on May fourth. It happened like the day we were recording. Was Shopify made their big announcement, and we kind of seen repercussions roll through this month. So we're kind of we touched on it briefly there, but let's go back to it. Of, of, you know, basically Shopify was still growing, but was losing money at a faster and faster rate. They had a huge plan to invest in a big distribution system to compete with Amazon, a big fulfillment system that they had spent billions acquiring other companies for. And on May 4th, they announced that they were jettisoning all those. They were selling them for pennies on the dollar, getting rid of them and refocusing on their core platform because they wanted to do more AI was one of the rationales. So we'll just bring that back to the overall theme of everything's AI, right? Um, and so we've covered this before, but that was a, that's a huge shift in strategy for them because they were trying to do the, how do we help small sellers on Shopify stores compete with Amazon? The way to compete with that is to build a fulfillment network so people can get their product faster, to build a universal checkout so people can check out faster. And they've kind of walked away from that. Um, now, this one-stop checkout gets kind of closer to that in yeah. some ways. But the fulfillment, they have it. Now, they have the parts they sold off. They've sold off to another company that they're, they say they're going to partner with that's going to build this fulfillment network. But it does set, it sends it way back yeah. in how... Because we, we were promised, this is like we were promised jetpacks. You know? <laughs> where's, where's this future that I was promised? I don't have a, I don't have a flying car, I don't have a jetpack. We were promised years ago by Shopify that this network would be up and active by now, and it's not, right? And, and now they're not going to build it. Hopefully somebody Shopify's else Shopify's not going to build it. Shopify's not going to build it. Somebody else may end up building it or, or may not. Well, I don't know, right? It's an interesting opportunity there because you've seen, and I've seen a lot of negative shit Bob and then and the news for a lot of negative reasons but there's being a third party fulfillment networks uh, or fulfillment systems that they they're out there trying to do this thing exactly right now yeah. and and it's really it's an interesting sort of that's problem why, that's to figure why I'm out pessimistic, how to solve right I'm pessimistic because this just feels instead of Shopify doing a service for all Shopify store owners, this now becomes, okay, you fed all these parts to somebody who just could become a big 3PL. Mm-hmm. And there's already 3PLs out there. So um, I, it's not clear to me, and I may be just missing the insight on it, but it's not clear to me why this isn't just another big 3PL that they've created by spinning, by, you know, auctioning off all these parts that they had. Right. And why, why a big 3PL that already has the warehouses and employees yeah. and the fulfillment network. And so if I'm not using a 3PL right now, does this help me at all? Yeah. Um, and it's not a three, you know, and does it, is it going to promise like two day delivery, like Amazon prime does? Cause that was part of the Shopify's promise. And I just don't, I don't have faith and maybe I'm being too pessimistic. I don't have faith that's going to come through. I think it's just going to end up as they sold assets off to a three, uh, three PL company. Who's just going to use that to become a bigger three PL company. Yeah. And it's going to be a three PL company and that's kind of make- use it if you want, but it's not, it's not going to make it Amazon competitive. It kind of makes me like, just wonder why a 3PL hasn't, like an existing 3PL, uh, hasn't conquered this problem or at least made more wave. Yeah. Because I feel there like are sh- some that offer it, right? yeah. but, but their rates, at least the ones we've explored, the rates are ridiculously expensive. And so it's a lot more expensive because to do that, the, the key is, can you do that Amazon level of fulfillment for Amazon level of fulfillment costs? Yeah. And 
Well, even Amazon, to be fair, Amazon can't fulfill for Amazon fulfillment costs, right? They're obviously part of the reason why Amazon has rolling out price increases and storage fees and all that kind of stuff is because Amazon was subsidizing their losses on shipping by the revenues yes. earned on the sales. So I th- maybe that's part of the... And Amazon's moved towards more, you know, making that at least cost break, even or slightly profitable. But even with those increases, I can't find a 3PL that can come anywhere in the neighborhood, right? It's yeah. like 2X. Yeah. Um, so, um, and Amazon just has that size and scale where that's, you know, it's not because the 3PLs are gouging people. It's just they can't match Amazon's right. size and scale. So I, that's... Well, the the, three, the, there, the right? 3PLs aren't taking 15% off the sales off Shopify to subsidize the the cost no. of the shipping. So interesting, interesting topic for yes. sure. And, you know, we'll see. I'm, well, let's move on. Let's move on to one you had highlighted in here, Andy. So uh, you had Amazon posts are moving to the advertising console. Yeah, this one is, I think, something we've seen coming for a while. We did have a conversation or a, a podcast. Well, I think Tim was out for some reason. Sometimes I sometimes I do things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Hey, you were gone for something. Out but for it, things. Anyway, Parker and I were on the podcast and we were talking about Amazon social and we were talking about a bunch of different ways that you can grow your Amazon sales without editing or without uh, spending more on ads and uh, without uh, editing your listing. And one of the things that we, we highlighted was Amazon posts. And be, the reason for this is that Amazon posts for our clients are generating thousands and tens of thousands of impressions and clicks to your listing. So go back, take a listen on that episode. But the part of the reason that I think this is important is, in, is that Amazon posts are moving to the advertising console is because I think this is the first step that Amazon is going to use to taking your Amazon posts and using them as ads like you do on Facebook uh, so that you can get them off network so you can take the the Amazon yeah. post and maybe that shows up in a a cert or a display feed somewhere or so shows up in you know, maybe Google ads. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it shows up uh, on Amazon platform, all of the above. Yeah, but your general take is they're, they're turning posts into ads is what you think this is the process. Yeah. Right? This is the first step on. Yep. So could be, let's hit two other kind of Amazon features updates and then we'll close with the big one that had everybody all scared. Is that a good foreshadowing? Like keep yes. you hooked until the end. Yeah. So, we're going to, so yeah, because we'll close on the one that has everybody scared and has, has all the forums in tizzy right now. But let's hit two more features. One is, um, so there's this whole uh, purchase with Prime that Amazon's trying to get everybody to do. Shopify is refusing to do it because Amazon's the competitor, at least when they were trying to build a fulfillment network to match Amazon. I don't know if they'd still view it the same way. But Klaviyo, which is the number one email system that e-commerce sellers use, they announced that, yeah, they have now switched and they are on the buy with Prime bandwagon for purchase with Prime bandwagon on it. So um, they're now implementing that. You can add that feature in. And I believe, and they just announced it and I haven't used it yet, but I believe you can purchase with Prime right off the email now, um, which is pretty cool with that, right? So they, that's, that was one of the, you know, Klaviyo and Shopify is kind of the most common combinations that people use off Amazon. So having Klaviyo say, after all, we're, we're, we're okay with this. This is good. And then roll it out as a, here's a feature that all sellers should be using and still having Shopify not agree to it. Um, we'll see how that rolls out. But Klaviyo moving towards that and doing that is a big first step. The other one, the other Amazon feature, unless there's anything else you want to say about the Klaviyo piece, Andy. Nope, but, nope. Um, the other one was, and this has kind of been out there for a while, but with a limited number of accounts having access to it. And they rolled it out in a much 
kind of opened almost everybody on in May. Uh, and this is that uh, Amazon rolled out the repeat. Co- so if you use their email marketing function, and there is an email marketing function in Amazon where you can email, you could email followers. Um, and that was rolled out a while back. So you could email followers with an offer. You know, here's a new product we have. It's very restricted in what you can say. So you can't do a lot of fancy, you know, Amazon wants to keep you really clean. So it's like text offer. Here's what it is. Um, but they added, uh, after roll, after testing this, they added a repeat customer section to it. So not only people who follow you, because it's, it's hard to get people to follow your brand. It's not a normal customer habit right now. I don't go through and follow a bunch of brands. Maybe I should be, but it's not something I've really done. It's not something most people have done by looking at the follower accounts. Yeah. But what they rolled it out and said, if somebody's a repeat customer, and the repeat customer definition is pretty loose. It's they purchased a repeat customer for purposes of this is somebody who's purchased twice from you from you from your brand in the last year, in the last rolling twelve months, um, and all of a sudden, now you have access to a lot more people on your store with this email program. Um, and one of our partners was one of the early tests of this. So they wrote, they did some test emails and it doesn't like set the world. It doesn't like hockey stick your numbers for the week when you do it, but it is incremental and it does generate some sales. And the fact that now you can hit this much bigger audience for a lot of sellers is potentially huge. Now the, the, this is the second biggest uh, griping thing on the Amazon forums. If you, if you just want to kind of dive into the cesspool of humanity that is the Amazon seller forums and read all the complaints there. Hey, 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 I spend time there. I know, I do too. <laughs> um, but the second biggest complaint right now is over this, hey, I used the email marketing function and then I got banned because I sent out a bunch of emails and I got unsubscribes. And you know, Amazon didn't tell me that if I get a bunch of unsubscribes, they're going to take me out of the program, which they will do. So if you start abusing this, and there's this, hey, if you get more than a 1% unsubscribe rate, we're going to, possibly suspend you yeah and one percent's not that much right but the ones that were doing it when we do i dove into the conversations following they were like sending out really frequently yeah and just bombing away with it right yep and you can't do that yeah and i think this is one of those situations where this is great in theory if the beta version of this that we have currently is probably not the best execution of it and i think they'll hopefully improve it and give it more people access to it because, you know, one of the gripes about Amazon as a, uh, a manufacturer or somebody that's selling product is that you don't actually own the customer. And this is one of the best ways to own the customer is, or at least influence the customer purchase yeah. behavior is to go act- actively market so to them. I like the direction of this, right? And, yes. and it's not available for Same. every seller. It's, you have to be over a certain size. You have to be selling a certain amount of product. Um, but the threshold isn't super high. Even some smaller brands that we work with are over the threshold. So. Um, I like the direction they're going. The execution has some holes in it. it. Leaves something to be desired. But but the whole, to me, the bigger story is Amazon allowing you to reach out to your own customers on yes. Amazon. via And when you send an email, it doesn't come from you. It comes from Amazon saying this is from the seller, right? Um, but the fact that they're even allowing for that is... Progress. I, I, if... And if you don't realize how big a change that is in Amazon's attitude, that's a monster. It's a just humongous change in their attitude towards sellers and how sellers can relate to their customers. So I'm hoping that's a first step. It does seem to incrementally provide some value and create some sales and hopefully it evolves. So let's go to our, our final one. And this is the one, our final kind of May recap update. And this is the one that has everybody panicking. Um, although it's, it's really 
you know, it's, it's, everybody should calm down probably a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this is the, so if you're, if you go into your Amazon account right now, you probably have a, your account could be suspended within 30 days warning on your it. Your account is at risk of deactivation. Yes. Almost every account has that on it. And that scared the pants off a lot of people. Right. And, uh, and there's a lot of complaints about this horrible thing that Amazon has done. Um, but with this, there was a new federal law put in place. It was the Informed Consumers Act. Uh, it's a U.S. federal law. It uh, it goes into effect on June 27th. So we are, as of this recording, 25 days away from everybody having to have this. Otherwise, Amazon has to shut down your account. Um, and what it does is it goes in and asks for, and we got, you know, we had a little surprise when they first launched this because they asked for a lot more information than they asked when you started your account. In some cases. Some some cases are that are more recent uh seller account creations have, have had to supply this information. Yeah. So if you're, if you created an account recently, you had to, if you created your account years ago, right. You didn't have to do this. So none of it, what they're asking for, um, like for the accounts we own, right. I'm having to go in right now cause I'm officially listed as the owner of it. Um, I have to go in and provide passport. I have to provide personal bank account business bank account oh personal too i did, i thought it was i thought it was just uh i'm asking them if i can just load the business bank account right so do i have to load a personal one um so i'm waiting for a response on that um i believe i'll end up having just load our business account on it but they want details of the real human behind everything so there is a lot of uh a lot of personal detail they're asking for this which uh you know a lot of our partners who've gotten this notice said i'm not comfortable giving amazon this uh and some of them, they've, they've said, you know, it has to be tied to, so this is you. You have to identify that you are the main contact. And if you're the main contact, you have to provide a bank statement and a credit card statement with your name on it. Um, so I believe I'll have to load personal stuff into there. They have said you can redact the dollar amounts. What they're really looking for is that there's a statement with your name on it so they can verify that this is your real person. So it's, so it's not just the business bank account. It is a to identify you as the owner of the account, as a real human being, you have to upload this information. Identity, and, phone number, bank account, business address, and tax ID are the ones that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. So, so, um, so we'll, we'll see. We're still sorting through this. We haven't completed ours yet. Yeah. We still have to do it. Um, yeah, and this is one of our partners, Andy. She was upset because they were, they were asking her for to verify her identity. Right. One of her, her right. personal credit card statement bank account, right? That was the exact request that came through. Yeah. So, um, it's but a, this has people really upset. <laughs> well, and I, you know, the thing that I, it, it's people are leery of just sharing this information with, with Amazon, having their, their information associated with their Amazon account, which like, I get it, but I'm also like, Hey, you're, if you're doing nothing wrong, if you're not the type of person that's having bad, I'm, I'm acting, okay. With, I'm very much okay with it. Right. Yeah. Um, mine is just the hassle of gathering the information is a pain in the ass. Yeah. But for me, we compete against so many shady sellers sometimes Yes, that, you know, it feels like they're the ones who got stuff off the back of a truck or whatever else happened, or they have a back door into the manufacturer, manufacturing plant that's manufacturing the same product we're selling because we see it all the exact same product with without a logo on it. Um, that becomes a, a much better opportunity for us as mm -hmm. the, the legit seller to say, hey, we need to file a lawsuit against this company. And Amazon, yeah. I mean, needs to provide that information. So it makes it a little bit easier. I think if you're selling on there and selling in volume, that you need to identify who you are. And I'm fine with it. I mean, I think this is a consumer-friendly kind of... It doesn't need of, to be like publicly... I, mean, I don't know if it's... No, it's not going to be like on your public available. available no. But um, at least to, to Amazon to know that you're a legit person yeah. and business. Well, and it also makes it for the, for the black hat 
folks who launch an account, it gets banned and they launch another one all the time and they just put in fake information. Got to come up with a It's new a lot idea. harder to do that right now, right? And yeah. to me, I'm fine saying, okay, okay, Amazon, I'm the one on the, so I'll, I'll give you my information to prove we're legit. Mm-hmm. Just stop the illegit, stop the black hats from getting on there and doing yep. their stuff. Like we try and be very white hat and very above board on everything we do. And it, it hurts when you're competing against somebody who's not playing by the rules, who you can file a complaint with, fight for two months, have them banned and, and realize that they then reformed under a different company name. They're using another fake name to go on there. It's, a lot of times it's international sellers because they can't track it as well. Um, and just having to deal with this whack-a-mole against black hat stuff all the time. If this cuts that down because they can't do that now without a bank account that is now trackable to an individual because starting new bank accounts, every, they, they've just put more hurdles. Somebody who's really determined can still create a bunch of new bank accounts. Fine. Uh, you can't create a bunch of new passports. So you might have to, so here's your buddy. You got to grab down and use his passport. There's, there's stuff that then stops you from being, it's not as easy yep. to do multiple, multiple same company, different name and just go re up and until somebody catches you, which is kind of the way it works a lot of times right now. You violate until somebody catches you, you close your company down, you start a new one up with the exact same inventory and you go right back in and do it again until they catch you again. This curbs that behavior a lot. And to be honest, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm all in favor of big brother stuff, but I'm, I'm all in favor of this, to be honest, even though it's, it is a pain in the ass of getting all this stuff scanned, submitted, you know, do the live phone call, which they're asking for sometimes, but fine. Yep. 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 Well, lots of good, like, like we talked about at the top, these, there's so much going on in in e-commerce every month that I think people really enjoy this format. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, It goes a little bit long, but there's a lot of good stuff in here and we'll look to continue to bring this content to you on a, on a week to week, month to month basis. But uh, Tim, thank you so much as always. Thank you to you, the listener, and we will catch you again next time.